Good morning and greetings to you all in Jesus' name. Thank you to each one that came out this morning. I was blessed by the Sunday school time that we had. And I believe we could really spend a lot of time on what that lesson was on communication, and that really trickles over into every aspect of life. Um, even so much so, it's what is our communication with our Savior. Thank you, Ray, for the devotional. And as you were talking about the the well, the water springing up inside of us, hopefully you have experienced that, you know that feeling, you know the joy of the Lord within you. When I think of a springing well, I tend to think of an artesian well, which is one that just constantly is, is bubbling up all the time and always flowing, no matter what the temp, it doesn't, generally doesn't freeze over, um, but it's always, something's always coming out of it. Are our lives, is that joy that's springing up in us, is it coming out? Is our life an artesian well? And is the water that springs up in us, is it affecting those around us? Um, or is it, is it staying within us? Um, that is a, steps nicely to what I want to talk about this morning. And I want to look a little bit at, um, is our faith real? I'm going to be going to James chapter 2. Eventually, I'm not going to go there first, but James chapter 2. And we're going to take a little bit of a test. Um, is our faith real? Talking about works along with the gospel is a very touchy thing to do. Um, and I don't want to come across as portraying a works gospel at all. So before we go to James, we're going to go to Romans and look at the free gift of God, the free gift of salvation, and how faith, our saving faith, is solely in Jesus Christ. But is there more? And I'm going to ask that question, and we're going to look at that um, some more. Is there more? Could there be something that is required of us? Not in the more that is there more. Is there another Savior? I don't want to bring that out at all. There is not another Savior. It is not Jesus Christ's blood and us. It is simply Jesus Christ. But hopefully I can bring that out clearly in the verses we look at in James. Busyness, I'm sure you're all familiar with that word. A life of hurry, efficiency, maximizing, schedules that allow no interruptions. I'm sure you're familiar with that. We know that idleness is the devil's workshop. But I've been wondering, could overcommitting be a similar trap? Could being going, could going nonstop be a similar trap to idleness. Idleness, as we know, we tend to preoccupy ourselves with something, or we're going to preoccupy ourselves with something. And when we have too much idle time, our human tendency is to go to wrong things. But what about overcommitting? What about being too busy? It robs one of the ability to simply relax, to meditate, to read, and to listen. And whatever that looks like to you, I just put those, just put those down, um, relaxing. I don't, I don't know what your relaxing looks like, but meditating, for me, I'm talking obviously just from myself. I don't know. It looks different to other people. But meditating, I cannot meditate when I'm going full bore. That just, you just can't do that. In my mind, I, I can't do that. 
it takes some, some off time, if you will, to read. Simply to sit down and enjoy a book, enjoy devotions, is hard for me to do when things are pressing nonstop. And then to listen, to spend quiet time. When I have a lot going, when I sit down and be quiet, that's what comes to mind. What I have to do in the next minute. What is, what is going to demand my attention for that day? Now, I don't want to... Um, busyness is a part of life. I understand that. Um, a busy schedule, I am not opposed to a busy schedule. I just want to bring out... Could, could we be doing too much and the dangers of doing too much? Busy schedules, there's, there's um, seasons in our lives that demand a lot of attention, and I understand that. Um, going through some of that myself, um, I have, in a couple years back, gone through a more busy time than I have now, and that's a lot where this comes from. And knowing where my boundaries are, the, the ability to meditate, read and listen, to relax, um, couldn't happen until some things changed. Does your schedule allow, or are you willing to, take the time to do random acts of kindness? Or is every minute spoken for? Then I have a few questions. Is your faith visible by the way you live, or is there no difference between you and the next person? And to follow that, does it matter? Does it really make a difference? Like I said, we are saved by faith and faith alone. Our righteousness, as Isaiah 64, 6 says, our righteousness is as filthy rags. There's nothing we and ourselves will do. It is, not God's, it is not the blood of God and our works that saves us. It is simply our, our, um, our faith in Jesus Christ, the, the saving power of God. I don't want to minimize that at all. But I do believe, and we'll see some of that later on, that our works are important. And the reason I think that, or I believe that, is they reveal our faith or the lack of it. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 16, let your light so shine before men that they may, what? That they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So first, I'm going to look at the saving faith that is available through Jesus. We're going to look in Romans 5, a couple of verses at the beginning of that. And then we're going to go to James chapter 2 and look at the challenge of is your faith real? 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 5, the first half of 17 says, If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. So first, let's look at James, or not James, Romans chapter 5. Title of my message, wasn't sure what to put it, but is it real? Is your faith real? So let's start in Romans 5. I'm going to read verses 1 and 2, and then I'm going to skip down and read 6 through 11. So five, uh, Romans 5, verse 1 says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace, wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Go down to verse 6. For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. 
For God commandeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more, being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received atonement. I'm going to stop there. So the first, I'm going to put verses 1 and 2. Verse 1 starts with, therefore, we look back at why it is there. Verse 25 in chapter 4, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised for our justification. This speaking of Jesus being delivered for our offenses and raised again. And because of that, which I mentioned earlier, is how we can have faith in God, or how we have, can have peace with God. That is, that is, to believe in that, that is salvation. God in his mercy gave his son as a sacrifice for the sin of the world. And it is because of that that we can have peace with God. What we need to do, that, that is available, but we need to accept it. We need to repent and we need to believe. Go into a little more detail on what Christ did for us. I think it's always good to dissect, if you will, the, the plan of salvation. There is a lot in it. There's a lot of detail. And what Christ did for us. Not simply... Um, saying that it's, it's available, but, but what is it? Verse, well, verse 6, it says that um, Christ died for the ungodly, and then 8, God commanded his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So Christ died for us, I mentioned that. Christ's death was a, was a penalty being paid. We know Christ was a sinless man. He did not, he did not um, pay the penalty for his own sin, so who was the penalty, who was the, the debt being paid for? And we know that it was for sinners. It says that. Um, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He died for those that crucified him, for those that denied and rejected him. He died for us. Not because we did anything right or that we were his friend. None of that. But it's because of his love. I didn't read verse 5, but verse 5 says, because the, because the love of God is shed, it is the love of God that, has, that um, caused him to give his life for us. So that in itself is, is a monumental, it is monumental. He, he died for those that hated him. It says there's more. Verse 9 says much more. Being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Saved from his wrath, from the judgment. We will give account for our lives. It says that um, throughout scripture that we will we'll give account. So what a dilemma we're going to be in when our life stories are read. Right? Except that Christ has already wiped the, the slate clean. He has paid the penalty. It will be clean. Christ's sacrifice will have erased the debt. We will be saved from the wrath of God. It is without question that we will be judged. But praise God, we can be judged. 
God will see us through Christ and through the redemptive plan that he has for us. And one more thing in Romans 5. So this should cause, let's go to um, verse 11. And not this only, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we now have received atonement. This should cause reason to rejoice, reconciled to God through Jesus. Our sin caused a gap in our relationship with God because God is holy and no unholy thing can enter heaven. But that bridge was gapped. That bridge is gapped for all who believe. I wanted to say this because we're going to look at at James chapter 2 and it talks about works. And again, I don't want to... um, come across that work saves us but we see here clearly in Romans that it is not it is the faith is our faith in Jesus it is the plan that he had since the beginning of time it is the the salvation that we need to accept and turn to we need to accept it believe it so these are these are all invigorating truths that we can claim as those that have been saved um, without a doubt but is that where it ends And is anything required of us? Again, carefully saying the word required. Let's turn to James chapter 2. I'm going to look at verses 14 through 26. James chapter 2. The heading in my Bible says, Real faith shows itself by works. And I want to look at that the rest of our time. So James chapter 2, read verse 14 to the end. What doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and have have not works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say to them, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled. Notwithstanding, ye give them not those things which are needful to the body. What doth it profit? Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well, the devils also believe and tremble. But wilt thou, O man, but wilt thou know, O vain man, that without faith works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Seeth thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works faith was made perfect. And the scripture was fulfilled which saith, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. Ye see then how that by works a man is justified, and not by faith only. Likewise also was not Rahab the harlot justified by works, when she had received the messengers and had sent them out another way? For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. True faith is more than words. True faith has actions. James makes the analogy of one lacking food, whether this was something that they could physically see whether it was true or not. It doesn't really. It doesn't. It makes no difference. Um, so he makes the analogy of one lacking food and clothing, another one showing concern, but doing nothing to help. 
in verse 16, it says, um, one say unto them, depart in peace, be warmed and filled. It, it, it shows concern. It um, appears that he would be willing to help. And it says, but, but he does nothing. What does it profit? True faith has actions. I can be quick to notice the problem here, but what about me? Like I said, we, we picked that apart. The problem here is the man or this individual seen the, seen the need. Um, he addressed the need, but physically he did nothing. Am I helping? Am I helping the less fortunate, or is my prayer, God bless and comfort those that are less fortunate? And what I said in the, in the beginning, the reason I said that is some of, of our, our busy schedules, our lives packed with our things. Um, am, am I noticing these things? Am I willing to help? Hitchhikers don't happen a whole lot, but they are around some. Oftentimes I'll see drivers with flat tires or occasionally you'll see some... Um, a vehicle with a hood up, engine smoking. I'm not a mechanic, so for me to stop on something like that is probably not a lot worthwhile. But is it? The hitchhiker, the driver with a flat tire or a smoking engine, to stop and inquire takes time. It's a hassle. Um, it's intimidating. That depends who you are. And it could cost us money if we're really generous. Am I too busy because I have so much to do today? Our faith in action. Or do we, do I, cruise by and say, Lord, send somebody his way. He needs help. Or am I willing to stop? Now I know on the in the interstate, you're not really supposed to stop um, because of just being a traffic hazard, but it happens on a lot more than interstates. And I, I'm talking to myself. Do I, am I willing to stop? I also want to recognize that while you're, if you're employed by somebody, um, to take the time for that, we need to, we need to be aware of that, that we are on, we're on somebody else's time. Um, and we are probably given a schedule to, to meet, so that needs to be taken into consideration. But otherwise, on my way home, on my way to work, however it might be, um, do I allow a certain amount of minutes? Do I get to my destination on the minute? Or do I allow my faith to possibly take action? Unknown, don't have any idea when I leave the house or when I'm on the road, do I... Um, allow my faith to show itself? Is it going to bubble up and come out? I read a quote a while ago. I'm not sure where it was. It was a long time. I think it might have been on a CAM newsletter if I remember. You can love people and not love God, but you cannot love God and not love people. Well, that was interesting. Now, stopping and helping somebody when they have a problem in their vehicle, does not, is not saying that you're a Christian, like that the works aren't saving anybody. But if we claim to be Christian, if we say we have faith and we do care about people, 
what do we do about it? I found a short story. Um, the man's name's Martin. Many years ago, Martin was stopped by a beggar who, was, who asked for alms. Martin was a poor man and had no money, but the beggar was blue and shivering with cold, and so Martin gave the beggar what he had. He took off his coat, cut it in two, and gave half of it to the beggar man. That night he, being Martin, had a dream, and in the dream he saw the heavenly places and all the angels and Jesus standing in the midst of them, and Jesus was wearing half of Martin's coat. One of the angels said to Jesus, Master, why are you wearing that battered old cloak? And who gave it to you? And Jesus answered softly, My servant Martin gave it to me. I don't, I don't know if it's a true story or not. I don't, don't know. Where I found it didn't say that. Faith in action. This man cared about people. Martin cared about people so much that he gave out of, out of his poverty, really. Can we, can we identify with that? Will we identify with that? Moving on. Verse 18 says, it talks about living out our faith. Verse 18 says, A man say, Thou hast faith and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. As we know, faith is not something we can physically touch. So, you can't show me your faith. But faith is evident through our life. Faith alone cannot be seen, but the effects of faith should be. Especially among those that claim it. We can't see the wind, but nobody denies that. Nobody denies the wind being a real thing. We can't see the wind, but we can see its results. Does our faith work the same way? Thou believest that there is one God, and thou doest well. So obviously it is, it is good to believe. Um, but even the devil believes in God. Knowing God is not a saving faith, or knowing about God is not a saving faith. And I don't think anybody would contradict that. It is a surrendering to him and committing our life to him, more than knowing about him, recognizing that there is a God. You could ask just about anybody if they believe in God, and you'll probably get the answer that they do. Um, there's a lot, of, a lot more detail in that, but um, to believe in God is, is one thing. But obviously even the devils, they believe and tremble. It's much more than that. It is, and going back to the introduction again, time to sit and read and meditate, spending time in God's word. That's truly knowing God. When we, can, when we do that, that's how we'll truly know God. Does our schedule, our life, does it allow that kind of time to be spent? Faith apart from works is head belief and therefore is dead belief. That comes, that's a, somebody's summary of verse 20. And thou wilt know, O vain man, that works without faith is dead. Let's look at the Old Testament examples. Abraham. 
we all know the life of Abraham, man of faith. Um, Genesis 22 is where he is given the test to offer, uh, offer Isaac, the promised son that he had when he was, or his wife had rather, when he was 100 years old. Um, he was told he's supposed to go sacrifice him. And that meant kill him. Sacrifice him on the altar. I'm going to turn to Genesis 22. I just am amazed at the way Abraham responds. Just thinking on that. If you were told to do something that dramatic, would there be any questions? And I'm not saying that Abraham didn't have any questions, but they don't, they're not written. So God told Abraham in the beginning of the chapter, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, of which I will tell thee. So he was told to go offer his son, and not even given all the details. I'll, I'll tell you later, God said. And Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his, saddled his donkey and two of his young men with him. I, I guess he simply did it. The faith of Abraham to be told to kill his son and to simply do it. And knowing that, that, um, that God had promised him that, uh, that Isaac was, was the promised child. Um, it's, it's mentioned later how Abraham believed that God could raise a nation even after this, even if he offered his son Isaac on the altar, that he, he believed, he had the faith that God could still raise a great nation. Obviously, he didn't know how, but he was willing to follow through no matter what. Faith in action. We see one there, faith in action. Says in verse 23, the scripture was fulfilled, which saith, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of, friend of God. See, uh, verse, 20, verse 24 says, ye see then how that by faith, sorry, by works, a man is justified, and not by faith only. And some what we're looking at here with, with Abraham, how justified by his works. But that was not where it started. It started with faith. Romans 3, Romans 3.28, almost looks like a contradictory verse. Romans 3.28 says, Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Verse 24 says, See then how that by works a man is justified and not by faith only. And I don't believe this is contradictory at all. Like I mentioned in the first part, um, our, saving, our, our saving comes only through Jesus. It is not through deeds of the law. It is not our works that are saving us. But James, what he's talking about is trying that faith. Trying that faith. Is our faith for real? And will it show? And it should show by our works. Will it come out? Another example of Rahab 
Rahab was the harlot from Jericho. She's mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11. And always kind of surprised me. Um, she, the harlot, from what I understand, harlot is, is another name for a prostitute. She lived in a sinful city. But she's mentioned in the, in the hero, with the heroes of faith in Hebrews 11. So why might that be? Likewise also was not Rahab the harlot justified by her works when she had received the messengers and had sent them out another way? Um, Joshua 2, Joshua chapter 2, 11 says, uh, it's just a part of the verse, but this is Rahab talking to the spies. She said, for the Lord your God, he is God above and the earth beneath. We see a faith even in Rahab. A faith that made her willing to um, really defy the laws of her, her country and work for um, the cause of Christ. Her faith was in action. She believed that um, she believed that the God of the Hebrews was the true God. The last verse in the text that I read says, "For the body without the spirit is dead." So faith without works is dead also. James compares faith with the body and works with the spirit. As we know, we can't live without our spirit. The body is dead without, without the spirit. And James says, so also, faith without works is dead. Faith needs to, um, our life needs to portray our faith. And how can we do that? But through our works. There's one more passage that I would like to look at that connects the importance of faith and works. And again, I don't want works to be our, our savior. It is not, not at all. But works, from what I, in my studies I've found, that is, is very important. Our works needs to be a, a, a very active part of our lives, our works that portray our faith. Matthew 25 is very familiar. It is where um, it's, it's um, talking about the, it's prophesying the, the last days where um, Christ will divide the sheep from the goats. Starting at verse 34, it says, Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Why is the kingdom of, of heaven prepared for them? Is it because, I'll look at that, but it does not say, because you have believed in me. It doesn't, it doesn't say that. Let's look at verse 35. It says, For I was hungered, and ye gave me meat. I was thirsty, and ye gave me drink. I was a stranger, and ye took me in. Naked, and ye clothed me. I was sick, and ye visited me. I was in prison, and ye came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee, and hungered, and fed thee, or thirsty, and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger, and took thee in, or naked, and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee sick, or in prison, and came unto thee? Verse 40. And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto, the, inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, ye have done it unto me.
what we do with our life, with our faith. Is our faith active? Does it care about others? And then it, the rest of the chapter talks the otherwise. It says, depart for those that have not. Um, and their question is, when did, we, when did we see you hungry and thirsty? And his answer to them is, inasmuch as you did it not to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it not to me. Here it looks like works has saved the first group and condemned the second. But as I've tried to be very clear with, that we know that salvation comes through faith and this can't be the deciding factor. It is not simply what these people did. Rather, it must be that God can see the heart and judges accordingly. But since works are proof of their faith and love for God, they are an important part of a Christian's life. I firmly believe that our lives must show these things. Our works are a strong indicator of our heart condition. So to conclude, again, I don't want this message to feel like a burden and that you should be doing more. I, I don't want to come across like that. But rather, use this part of, of, of James chapter 2 to evaluate your life with it, or to ask yourself some questions. Does your faith show by the life you live? Do you care about people, or is it easier to shrug and say, they must have made bad choices, and now those are the consequences? Maybe that's true, but I have not seen an out on any of that on as, as Christians that we should be helping those people. I'm reading a book, or rather I'm listening to it, an audible version, of the story of Dawson Trotman. I kind of stumbled across the book, and it's very interesting. He was from the mid to early 1900s. Um, I think he was born in the very beginning of the 1900s, and he's obviously his adult life is in the 20s and 30s. Um, and I'm amazed at how he continually pours his life into young men the young men around him, and his creativeness to reach people even when things aren't going great. His, his bringing up life was okay. I wouldn't call it a bad upbringing. Um, it was not one of, of a lot of uh, evangelism, but Dawson caught that heartbeat. That became a, a conviction for him, and he pours his life into it, living in poverty, living... It talks of a time where he went shopping... Didn't have any money, but he went shopping, and as he was filling his basket with groceries, that somebody gave him money and was able to pay for his groceries. But just the, the way he gave and gave, acting out of faith, had nothing, yet never quit. Did not stop and say, oh, now we need to raise some funds, and, or, or God doesn't want this because, because, nothing's, because there's, there's not enough money. No, he, his, he had his direction from God, his calling from God was minister to, and it was, it was a wide group of people. It was, he had young boys at one time. He ministered to adults. It's, it was a wide, wide variety. But also what um, amazes me is he dedicated much time to prayer, Bible reading, and memorization. I'm only about half done with the book, but... That is a continuing theme in every aspect of his life. His prayer time, 
his Bible reading and his memorization. And I believe that is very true. We can take all of those in our lives as well. Um, prayer time, we, we know that's important. But like I said, when it's always go, 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 prayer is hard to, for myself, is hard to concentrate on. Bible reading, does it, does, it, does it get your attention? Is it something you want to grow in? And memorization, I wouldn't say that comes exactly easy for me, but for, the, for those of you that have young children, it's amazing what they can learn at a very young age. Repetition, again and again and again. Make that faith become strong. And obviously, live it out. As parents, we need to show it. We need to teach it. And then as we go out, is, is what, we're, what we're learning, what we're studying in our quiet time, is that coming out. So be encouraged. Live a life to serve and glorify the Lord in all things. And this will... In, and it will naturally become part of your life. If you look to serve the Lord and to glorify him, I do believe these things will come naturally. As they were to those described in Matthew 25, that question that they gave, that they gave the Lord, when did we see you? They didn't, they didn't even recognize it. It was part of their life. That was just part of how they did. Can we be, can I be more like that? Can you be more like that? challenge for myself and hopefully you can be challenged by that as well why don't we stand for a closing prayer and then we can have a verse of song Lord we come before you this morning and we thank you that we can be together like this a body of believers we can meet freely we thank you for that we thank you for your word salvation that you've brought to us that we can will, uh, free, freely accept but Lord do we, can we freely give us to develop a conviction to live our faith more than head knowledge that it might be our life work help us to honor you in all that we do not that it would be for our glory but simply for you i ask that you would bless each one here and as we go through the coming week lord help our faith to become stronger and to be evident to those around us i pray this in your name amen